Welcome to the Infinity Bros Podcast, the only podcast that's perfectly balanced, as all things should be. My name is Isaac Edlin, I'm your host tonight, and I have one other Infinity Bro with me that I've had with me the past three episodes reviewing Ahsoka. It's Zane Ellis. Hello! Happy to be here. We're, you know, having fun. A little bit of a change of pace on this one. We aren't waiting for two episodes to come out. We're getting on this yeah. one right away, after just one episode, so... So you just listened to, I'm assuming you're listening to these back to back to back. You just listened to an hour and 40 minute episode in one uh, episode 179 of the Infinity Rose podcast. That time is going to be significantly cut down <laughs> for your sake in this episode. Well, we hope. <laughs> Although, we hope. We hope. We hope. Exactly. <laughs> Although we could still talk about this show probably for a very, very long time, regardless of how many episodes we're covering. I think five and six so far have been the best episodes, both one and two, I feel like, episodes in this series so far. So to cover them both in one episode was kind of a tall task, honestly. A little bit. So we did the best we could. And we hit that 10-minute uh, warning on our Zencaster recording. And we were like, oh, gosh, we got <laughs> we got to hustle up and get this done. So it was worth it. Definitely always fun to chat with Zane about Ahsoka and Star Wars. Zane, it's been three episodes of Ahsoka together reviewing episodes one and two. Three and four and five and six. And here we are reviewing episode seven. What do you think of the series so far? I'm loving it. Like this is this is what was needed. Mm -hmm. Of everything that's going on in this, like I feel like I'm getting more enjoyment out of watching Ahsoka than what I got watching the sequel trilogy of the new movies. Wow. I just feel like the story is better. The payoffs are better. Like, now granted, they're basic, you know, you, you had the foundation of Clone Wars and Rebels, so like, you're working from something, but like, just in general, I feel like this has me set up in a more positive manner to like, embrace and look forward to the future of Star Wars, and it's just like, I didn't feel that with the sequel trilogy. Hmm. And so I, I'm loving it. I'm really excited for it, because I think this is... What's bringing us into that next future that we were told the sequel, sequel trilogy was going to do. But then I'm just like, we've said multiple times in Filoni we trust. I'm just going to stick with Filoni. And, you know, I, that's not to hate on the sequel trilogy. If you like those movies, that's fine. Like, they're enjoyable enough. But as I'm watching this and watching the story unfold in Ahsoka, it is far more of a compelling story than what we got through those three movies. Amen to in Filoni we trust. We've been saying that through these last three review episodes of Ahsoka. The man has a plan, and I love that about him. We mentioned, I believe it was last episode of the Infinity Bros podcast, that there is a lot of material on Disney Plus that you can watch about Dave Filoni. Most recently, The Master and Apprentice. I don't even know what you call it. It's like a documentary mini-sode. It's only like 10 minutes long, I think. It's not that long. But it shows, you know kind of the behind the scenes making of Ahsoka and Filoni is just, he's a master storyteller when it comes to star Wars guys. I've been touting this for a long time. Do I think Filoni could be the Kathleen Kennedy of star Wars at this point? Yes. But I also don't want to rush him into that role 
because Kevin Feige, we've been saying about the MCU, that he was the guy, which he still is, but you see in Phase 4, you feel like the vision is just kind of starting to get lost. There's still really cool projects. We love the MCU, obviously. That's kind of our bread and butter here on the Infinity Bros podcast. But it's just not its not the same anymore. It's not all pointing to one end game, if you will. <laughs> uh, you know? <laughs> you know, it just feels different. And I don't want that to happen to Filoni. And with the way Disney Plus is pushing Star Wars and Marvel, these franchises... I feel like that's a possibility. So I kind of like that he's in this role of guiding these series, being the producer, being the director, the writer of these series. That way he can kind of mold it a little bit more to his liking instead of being, you know, corrupted by the whole... The the dark side? The dark side. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But I think, you know, I think at some point we will see Filoni kind of be grafted into that role eventually because kathleen kennedy is not going to do it forever right i hope not i don't know i I can't imagine (laughs) she will (laughs) i hope not yeah (laughs) you know you can't fault her for the things that she's done she's given us a lot more star wars in the past two decades than we've ever gotten that's fair so that's great but it seems like a lot of the disney projects especially just have been hit and miss with people right and I like the sequel trilogy well enough as well. You know, I'm not saying that it was the worst series of movies ever produced or anything like that, but it seemed to it seemed to lack a certain finesse or magic that the original trilogy and even the prequel trilogy kind of had. Although, again, you know, some really amazing things that happened in that trilogy still are, you know really fun to watch so and i'm actually re-watching a lot of these movies i'm coming up to the sequel trilogy so oh. it'll be interesting to re-watch them and see you know with all of this other disney plus content that we have out now to see it kind of in the bigger wider scope of the star wars universe instead of just looking at the sequel trilogy which at that time was pretty much all we had but it'll be it'll be interesting i'm excited to to see where that leads and i have to imagine that Filoni is going to eventually connect Ahsoka and some of these live action TV projects to the sequel trilogy. Like, I don't think Filoni's a guy that's like, oh yeah, that sequel trilogy sucked. We're completely cutting that off from the canon of Star Wars. Like, I don't think he's that kind of guy. It'll be interesting to see how that happens and how people respond to it. Because when Filoni confirms that and connects the sequel trilogy to his work there's going to be some people online that will be very upset with that (laughs) so so we'll see we'll see what happens but in filoni we trust dude's got it all together at this point ahsoka has been incredible through the first seven episodes and we're looking forward to the finale next week Um, we actually have some feedback from our other infinity bros infinity bro mark Uh, has not quite caught up. I think he just said he got done finishing episode six this this past week, and he is loving it, and he also uh, made it well known that he has a lot to say about it and could talk for hours. So (laughs) I'm hoping that he can catch up for us next week so we can have him on the 
finale review cool. episode. Yeah, that would be that would be awesome. So, Mark, if you're listening, that's the goal. Power through so you can uh, join us on that on that season finale episode. In front of Robbie, this is the one that I've thought is more interesting because Mark, like us, is a Star Wars shill and will watch and love anything Star Wars that comes out. Robbie, on the other hand, is not. He is a very casual Star Wars fan. Him and Infinity Road Max and in the Infinity Bros were a cast of six rotating hosts. And him and Infinity Road Max are casual Star Wars fans. They enjoy the content that comes out, but they're not diehards into, you know, the extended, you know, universe legend stuff, all that good stuff. That's why I was very interested to see what Robbie thought of this. And he says he has watched through five episodes and he has loved it. So I'm very excited to hear about that. Very excited to hear more of his thoughts on that. If you guys have some thoughts about it, especially this is why I was very interested to see specifically what Robbie and Max thought about it. They have not seen Clone Wars or Rebels. And I feel like this show has so many references to both of those shows that I'm very curious to see what people that have not seen those shows think of it. Uh, So it's very encouraging to know that Robbie has loved it through five episodes, which, you know, you watch it through five. Episode five is pretty much undoubtedly the best episode of this series so far. So he's seen he's seen the good stuff. And he has enjoyed it very much. And six too is a banger as well. If you guys have not seen Clone Wars or Rebels, let us know. Hit us up on uh, theinfinitybros.com, any of our socials, or you can email us at infinitybrospodcast at gmail.com. All right, Zane, let's get it going here. Let's fire it up. If you guys have not listened to the Infinity Bros podcast before, we have a special rating system. So let's explain that right here. Here on the Infinity Bros podcast, everything is ranked from a zero to six point scale. Zero meaning horrible, and six meaning absolutely excellent. If all of the Infinity Bros rank something a six, it gets an infinity snap. And we are absolutely going to be spoiling all of Ahsoka, especially episode seven. So if you have not listened or watched, excuse me, um, all of Ahsoka up to this point, this is your official spoiler warning. This is... Prepare yourself. And Infinity Bros. Prepare yourself. Spoiler. Warning. All right, Zane. Episode 7. We got another banger on our hands here. I feel like after 5 and 6, you just can't go wrong after that. Like, everything has fallen into place from those episodes, and you're on this track. And it would be hard to deviate from that track or upset the the train on that track. So what did you think overall? Just broad strokes at this point. We'll get into details. What did overall did you think of episode seven? Uh, overall, I would say solid episode. Like, I think that's what part of it would come from. Like, we had all this epicness that we had from episodes five and six. It's like, it's in the back of your head. Like, what, how are you going to bring this home? Like, what are we going to do? For these last two episodes because that's you know something we kind of talked about last podcast too our last episode and like you, you kind of got the culmination of things you know your past you know just them 
finance, right? Your pat, you know, you got Ahsoka there. Like, you kind of have that re-beating of your heroes, and then you also have some of that conflict. And so it's just like, it's slowly kind of pulling back the curtains a little bit more, because now you're just like, oh, what's, what, what's, what's Balin doing? And like, it, it, it was fun because you had all this set up, you had all the introduction, you had all these cool moments, but then they're also like, all right, we're also going to go back to like what makes like Star Wars fun. We're going to have some fights. We're going to have some lightsaber fights. We're going to have some troopers coming in. We're going to, this episode was like, we, you know, kind of had some dialogue, set some stuff back up. But then like this episode was like, all right, we're going to get back to the action. Cause there was a lot of action in this episode. And I feel like it kind of set up definitely more of what we're going to get for the finale. But very, very fun episode to watch. Again, very Star Wars in its nature. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was just everything about this series in general. It just it's been a lot of fun. This episode continued that. I'm going to basically echo what you said. This definitely kind of felt like a setup episode for the finale, but that considered, I think there was still a lot of great content in this episode and it did not leave me dissatisfied at all with it. Again, like we, we got introduced to Ezra at the end of last episode, getting him in it a bunch was fantastic uh, Eumenes Fondi, great casting. Oh, wonderful. As Ezra. We'll talk about him in a little bit here, but yeah, everything about him in this episode was phenomenal. Absolutely loved him. Everything about this series, to me, has been satisfying. I wouldn't say that, like, every episode has completely knocked it out of the park. I'm not, my mind is not blown every single episode. But I think that's okay. Like, go back to Andor. I mean, that first four episodes were... They were still really good episodes. But they were slow. They were... It was a burn, man. Like, you were just kind of sitting there waiting like, all right, what's what's going on? What's going to happen? And then the last half of that season was just boom, 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 boom. Like, just hitter after hitter. It was... I think that's okay to have a season like that, especially if you're building up to something bigger, which I definitely think is going to happen in episode eight in the finale. I mean, we've talked about it. I don't actually know if they have confirmed or not, if Ahsoka is getting a season two, but we know that Filoni's got a movie and we know that there are more series in the works. So, more of the story is going to be told. That's why I'm like not worried about how this is ending, right? We've talked about these Marvel series and how they are kind of in themselves a little bit and they only have six episodes. So they just don't have a lot of room to kind of set things up. They just are boom, boom, boom. And then all of a sudden finale and they have to make this big Marvel finale. And some of them just don't, end up being satisfying conclusions in those series. And I don't think that's going to be the case. I, I do think it might not be a satisfying conclusion, but that's because there's going to be a big cliffhanger at the end of this season, at the end of episode eight. I, and I've said this on a previous episode. I think we're going to see the last scene is Thrawn getting back to 
the main Star Wars universe. Like, it's setting up Thrawn returning, and then either Ahsoka Season 2 or Filoni's movie. Maybe Thrawn's the big bad guy in Filoni's movie. Uh, like, right? You know, I th- there's something else out there. Not sure what that is at this point, and I'm excited for it, especially with how this season has gone. So, man, kudos to Filoni again. We're, we're just like, we're just Filoni shills on this podcast. <laughs> Me and you are, anyways. Like, man, I, I was listening to the Scott Higa's podcast, The Christian Nerd, and he was like, yeah, I'm not, like, I, I really like everything that Star Wars is doing, but I'm not like a, like a Filoni's, you know, floating on the clouds type of guy. And I was like, Wow, I guess we are Filoni. You're right. He's quoting on the clouds type of guys. Like, <laughs> we're exactly that. We think everything that he's doing has been fantastic. Just embrace embrace our role, you know? Also, Scott has not seen Rebels. So it's in quotations, I think. I think Rebels is the best thing Filoni has ever done. Rebels is a phenomenal, phenomenal show. If you have not seen Rebels, you need to go watch that. And what are you doing if you're watching Ahsoka? Yeah, Rebels? seriously. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Well, like, hey, welcome to the Star Wars. If you're watching Ahsoka and you haven't seen Rebels, we're happy that you're doing that. But now, go and watch Rebels. (laughs) Because you've seen how good things can be. Now, you can see a true masterpiece in Rebels. That's right. There you go. That's right. And Clone Wars as well, which also is fantastic. I would not say it's a quite a fulfilling masterpiece as Rebels is, but man that's last season of clone wars is such a banger it's very good it's it's so good it's one of the best seasons in animation ever i think oh yeah definitely go back and watch those if you haven't yet let's go back we got a lot to talk about with soka go back to scene one we get uh c3po coming in to talk to the new republic council on behalf of uh, senator leia organa i kind of actually wondered about that why is she a senator again because she was a general during the rebellion and then all of a sudden she's a senator i was like wait a minute well i didn't think they said I really senator know. i thought he's they said i thought they said senator they oh, definitely said senator i thought they said general and i was like what is she a senator of because her planet is blown to smithereens but at the same time is that just kind of one of those like novelty things like do you ever yeah, really yeah maybe it's senator? just like, a, like right. Yeah, maybe it's just a title. Right. They're not like super worried about what she's senator of. <laughs> right. So, just know. like that's just what. Oh, yeah, that's just senator. Either way, seeing 3, 3PO walk in there and like they had like the classic Star Wars theme play when he walked in. It was, oh, that was so cool. Did you think it was a good decision to have 3PO stand in there like in lieu of Leia? I mean, like. Why not? Yeah. Like, I just, like, it didn't feel out of place. Like, it still was just, like, I think that's the kind of the point of some of those characters like that. It's just, like, you can just kind of insert them and be like, oh, yeah, that's right. a nod to the original. That's a nod to this. And it's just, like, and at the same time, even just in the story itself, that is kind of the point of those droids like that sometimes. Like, they're kind of mm-hmm. stand-ins sometimes when right. someone... Messengers right. type of roles, yeah. So it would make well, sense. Well, yeah, and, and, like, especially walk, going back to the original trilogy, C-3PO and R2-D2 used as messengers the whole Right, the, the whole entire trilogy. time, right. That's, like, what their main purpose in those right. in those movies. So, I, yeah, I think it totally makes sense, but it's, it's just interesting, you know, there's that big debate about, like, hey, so we've got young Leia that we want to portray somehow, 
do you do that with live action actor or do you kind of cgi their face to make them look more like a young version of carrie fisher and mark mark hamill or do you just use completely recast use a different character uh where do you sit on that debate zane like the de-aging like as long as it looks good it looks good i just i think it it more depends on this like the role and what they're wanting done like if it's just a, a quick little thing like it's like all right that wasn't necessary but if like they want it to be more of a recurring thing like i understand the ease of it of like hey let's get the person or but like part of that too is like especially with carrie fisher like if you wanted to go that route like you could bring in her daughter if you needed to or you know right. there are yeah. options around that, but at the same time, and she didn't didn't she play um, Billy Lord Lord is her name? Didn't she play her stand-in in like Rogue One when they were like de like doing the? CGI well, I th- face I think thing? she was her stand-in, and I think she was also like a background character. I think okay is correct, but it's just like right. at the same time too. Is is that really the route you want to like? I mean, since Carrie right. Fisher's passed on, like I get doing it with Mark Hamill because Mark Hamill's still alive. Like, I wonder right. if there's some degree of just like, hey, let's, not that it's just like, it's fresh or anything, but like, I think there's, you got a way out that like, hey, let's let their memory, you know, go on. But at the same time, too, you can use some of that de-aging or the younger stuff. But I think for that, like you said, too, yeah, use her daughter as a stand-in if you need to. Or, yeah, jump, use a another, you know, actress that's a, just straight up portraying a younger version of that character. Mm-hmm. Like, as yeah. long as it fits the timeline and it still looks good and is still, com- you know, compelling to what the story's being done or needs to be done, then, yeah. I think I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, I, I'm not, like, completely pro or anti, you know, using the de-aging or just complete, like, CGI face or whatever. Like, hey, if it looks good, like, do it either way. I do think it is kind of crazy how... Like, you see the side-by-side pics and, like, of the CGI'd young Luke and then the actor that is playing them in real life. Like, I was like, oh, gosh, you might as well just let that guy play right. him in real life because he looks so much like right. a young Mark Hamill that, like, all right, like, let's do that. And, and B- Billy Lord, too, it's the same thing. Like, she looks so much like Carrie Fisher that right. it's like, oh. I don't, I don't think that would bother me at all. Like, yeah, just let them play the character and, and let's go. And you, we already got, you know, what's his name? Alden, uh, crap. The guy who played, uh, young Han in the solo movie, Alden. Oh, something Stein. Yeah. I can't remember his name, but yeah, he, he did a fantastic job, like portraying here, a young Harrison Ford and like all his mannerisms and everything like that. I thought he, he did a great job. So yeah. Let those guys go. Or even Grant's more of a minor character, but even the chick playing was it Mon Mothma, the yeah, like yeah, yeah. she was a fantastic casting. Like she looks exactly like yeah, the she, younger, yeah. And it's just exactly. like so. There's definitely some precedence for doing that. Well, like, and the another one, I think it's Rogue One, where they did a bunch of CGI for Grand Moff Tarkin. The guy that plays Grand Moff Tarkin looks so similar to right. the original actor. That was like, oh. Like, why? Like, why did you just let this guy play it? But either way, again, it didn't look bad. So why not? Why not? You know, you could still do it. It's not going to change much, really, for the average watcher. Like, yeah, the crazy, toxic, hardcore Star Wars 
people are going to get upset basically with however you do it. So, right. you know, just do whatever you think looks best. And I, as long as you give those actors credit, like, I feel like that's the thing. Like they look so much like them. They do so much work to portray them and their, you know, likenesses, mannerisms that I feel like those guys got to get some, get some credit for that. Right. For sure. I agree with that. Anthony Daniels comes back to play C-3PO. Pretty awesome cameo. That was really fun to see C-3PO in live action. One really fun note, Chopper is like sitting in like the council room or whatever. And when that jerk senator, what's his name? Senator Giono, I think. I'm, I'm not sure how you pronounce that, but he he basically calls him a mere, a mere droid, I think is his words. And Chopper just like... Right. gets all huffy about it it was awesome have you oh, have you seen some of the great. memes that are starting to come out about that oh yeah well my favorite one is just like it's that picture of like chopper sitting there and granted there was just in attendance of like Hera's like trial or discussion or whatever right but like someone made it like a like a fake like head news line headline of like breaking news and it was like choppers finally put on trial for war crimes <laughs> yeah for his war crimes. yeah i saw that one. Oh, it's so good just him sitting behind yeah. the like podium, the podium or right? whatever <laughs> yeah just oh that's so good that whole part was really cool um how leia sticks up for hera and carson teva this line kind of it maybe it was shoehorned in a little bit because it seems so out of place but he's like well, what about the Mandalorian conflict? <laughs> and I was like, I love that you mentioned that. Kind of doesn't really make <laughs> sense in this in this scenario right here, but I love that you're referencing that. <laughs> totally just out of the blue, just like, oh, okay, alrighty then. Anyways, that was a fun reference. I feel like for the Star Wars fans like us, we're gonna be like all in on that type of fan service right. quote, like <laughs> Absolutely. Give it to me, exactly. Right. But just, just kind of felt funny and out of place when he said, <laughs> like, oh, all right then. Leia puts Senator Giono in his place, and Mon Mothma comes over and is like, hey. So, obviously, Leia is supporting you, but she didn't know what the mission was. So what was the mission, actually? And then we cut to... Peridia? Is that the planet? Yeah, the planet. That. Yeah. The planet Peridia. that they're on. We're in the other galaxy. We got to come up with a name for this other galaxy, too, because I feel like I'm referencing this galaxy and the main galaxy, blah, blah, blah. We'll have to, we'll have to come <laughs> up with a name for that. But they're on Peridia. Balin and Shin Hadi are tracking down Ezra and uh, Sabine. They finally find him. And this one, this is a big shocker for me. Balin is like, all right, there you go, Shin. There they are. I'm checking out. He just is like straight up leaving her. <laughs> and I was like, with how the, the relationship, which we've talked about their kind of master-apprentice relationship a lot over the past three review episodes that we've done, it just ends, question mark, because obviously... I feel like there's more to the story. It's so weird that he's just like, all right, see ya. <laughs> like, just lets her go. What did you think of that moment? Well, I think it just, it's more of the showing that, like, he has ulterior motives. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. you knew that anyways from even just earlier episodes of him talking. 
Like, right. he knew that, like, he, he wasn't doing this because he wanted Thrawn back. He saw Thrawn as a means to an end. He saw Sabine as a means to yeah. an end. Like, so, like, right. he ultimately has some bigger role. But then I think that was kind of the point, too, of the conversation they have before, like, he sends her to fight. Just like, yeah, you belong in the new Thrawn's new empire. Because, mm-hmm. like, and I, I think that was kind of still a callback to that first fight before they left when you know she was going after sabine how he's just like hey you can't just let the like he knew like she's power hungry that like she's Mm -hmm. and i think that's kind of the point of that of just like no you go join the empire go you know kill ezra sabine claim your prize go to thrawn like you you will do great in that like that's for you but that's no longer like this is where our paths part ways because like i'm not interested in just power i do get the sense that he cares about her it's not like he's just casting her aside or whatever but at the same time i was kind of like man why don't you just like help her fight them and then go you know like why did he just (laughs) why did he just like let her go do that herself especially and Granted, Balin and Shin are not, they don't, are not privy to the knowledge that Ahsoka is coming, right? Like, Thrawn, we talked about that last episode, Thrawn and um, Morgan Elsbeth are like, oh crap, Ahsoka's potentially here, you know? But they're not a part of that conversation. They don't know Ahsoka's coming. So they're thinking Sabine and Ezra. It is still interesting that he's like, he's got so much confidence in her that she can take them down by herself and granted not by herself with the night troopers that they're sending for her support. But I was just like fascinated that Balin's just like, Oh yeah, you, you got this. It almost seemed like he didn't really care about her outcome, but at the same time I was like, Oh man, over the, the relationship that they've had, it definitely seems like he does care about her and her training and stuff like that. So I'm really interested to see how that plays out, especially with how it ended with Ezra, Sabine, and Ahsoka defeating the Night Troopers and Shin, and then she just runs off. That was unexpected. Just a whole unexpected sequence of events there. Like, not the Ahsoka coming to rescue Sabine and Ezra. That was pretty much expected. But Balin just, like, shoving Shin down the road and then Shin just leaving because I almost thought she was going to stand there and fight Ahsoka and Ezra and just like fight to the death type of thing like if I don't have Balin then I have nothing so I'm just going to go for it why not but then she just leaves and you're like oh okay already (laughs) like and I have to imagine that she is going to meet up with Balin again in this next episode because I don't think she can go back to Thrawn. Thrawn abandoned her. She knows that he doesn't care about her now. So I don't think she has anywhere else to go. What do you think about that? Well, I think that's kind of was the significant part of her turning and running away like she did. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that was her realization of like, wow, I actually am alone without Balin. I I think that was kind of more the weight of that specific scene the realizing because yeah because you could see that too even look at her when thrawn all of a sudden is just like all right we yeah. you know we were just here to buy time since bring the men back like i think that's right. when 
it's probably more of a set in of like, wow, I am alone. And I think that gives power then when Ahsoka, to, you know, was like, I can help you. Like, come. Because mm-hmm. it's that feeling of like, oh, this person's alone. Like, and yeah. I think that's kind of that, the thought that Shin probably was immediately feeling. And like, yeah, that running there seems way more the panic of like, I'm alone. Like, what am I doing? Like, it's not. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think that's part of it, too. She's not just this hardened, like, oh, I'm going to fight to the death. Like, I think that scene showed more of a, maybe there's more depth to her character of, like, there's more that can be done with her character. Absolutely. And he just, before that, too, had, I'm trying to look up the line here, but he said something to the effect of, like, one last thing before you go, being impatient for victory leads to defeat. It was something like that. And I almost think like that had a pretty significant impact in that moment too. Like she could have fought and tried to take them all down. But at the same time, maybe she was thinking like, Hey, I could probably come back to this and take them down later. If I come up with a better plan type of thing so that that was kind of a significant moment as well that he gave her that last piece of parting advice and then she chose to run after that and i was like oh man i wonder if he hadn't said that if she would have tried to fight to the death being so impatient to like take down and you know it's kind of the it's almost a trope at this point in star wars of the padawan oh, man, I'm so powerful, I can take these guys down. And, you know, being so eager to fight, and then they get easily defeated and and humbled. So it was, it definitely showed some growth, I feel like, to, for her to, to run away. Or, you know, like, you almost thought for a second that she might even take up Ahsoka on that offer of joining them. Right. There's that moment of hesitation, and she's like, no idea what to do. And then she turns around and pieces out. But yeah, just very interesting. And Balin Skull continues to just intrigue me. I'm like, what <laughs> is this guy up to? I don't know what he's up to, but I, I can't wait to find out what it is. Right. <laughs> I love that guy. And even though this part was, I wouldn't call it a deviation of character, but it was something that I did not expect from him because I thought that he would and he you know he's in it for himself like this is a guy who has seen a lot of stuff in the galaxy um he has seen how things go he is in it for his end goal whatever that is we still have zero clue what the heck he's going for so the the crazy thing is we're gonna learn what he's going for and probably see it in the next episode i feel like because I, I don't think they would leave us on that type of cliffhanger with Balin Skull. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see um, next episode how that pans out. But, man, I, I, I'm so intrigued by this guy. I don't know what the heck. And, and it continues to be week after week just a tragic reminder that we're not getting Ray Stevenson back as Balin Skull. It's just so sad that he won't have another chance to play this character because he did such a phenomenal job. Right. So good. A lot of cool things coming in the season finale with Balin Skull. 
in Shin Hadi. I think there's definitely a big chunk of the finale that there's gonna, they're going to play. But we finally get the reunion of Ahsoka with Sabine and Ezra. This was a really cool moment. Like they've they've got the circle of like, you know, huts yeah. or whatever <laughs> from these noty people that are just like chilling in their huts. That was actually a really cool like this they're like a defensive people. They've got these huts and they just like pff, clamp down when there's threats, right. you know. And I was like, "Oh, that's that's pretty cool." And it kind of makes sense with, you know, Ezra and how he's probably been living this whole time. Sabine, you know, they come to this fight and Sabine and Ezra are getting they're getting beat pretty good. They are pretty much cornered by Shin and the Night Troopers. And, you know, they they do some work. I'm not saying they're, like, beat for sure. But it definitely, you get the vibe that they're they're having a tough time. And, and Ezra, one thing that was very interesting was Sabine offers him his lightsaber back. He refuses it. Says, the Force is my ally. I don't need a weapon. And then ten minutes later grabs one of the Night Troopers' blasters right. and starts blasting <laughs> But... I thought that was kind of a cool moment. Did you were you upset by that at all, or does that make sense for Ezra's character? Yeah, I think that's such like an Ezra move. I'm just like, yeah, no, no, I'm gonna fight with the Force. It's just it, we've talked about the 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 casting for that is so good because I think he's crushing oh, it as like he is absolutely he, crushing and it, and he just just feels like it'd be an Ezra thing of like, oh, I don't have a lightsaber. Uh, all right, you know, it's an older Ezra who's used to like using the Force now. And so now it's just like, ah, yeah, we're just gonna, mm-hmm. we're just gonna yeah. use the force on this one. So it's cool. just like, like, all right, all right. Well, not to mention, like, there's, there's a bunch of Star Wars fans that are butthurt that he didn't take his lightsaber. And it's like, this dude has been without a lightsaber for 10 years. Right. Why would you think that he would just immediately grab his lightsaber in a fight and start like using it? That makes, that doesn't make right. sense at all he- from a logical standpoint. Like you said, too, it's just a it's an Ezra thing. Like now he's had 10 years to hone his force skills and to be in tune with the force. And you're telling me that you're upset that he just doesn't immediately revert back to like fighting and blasting and and all this stuff. It's like, oh, man, like, come on. I thought that was perfect. And, right. and like you said, we're going to talk about Eumenes Fondi in a minute. But I did <laughs> I did see. They have these character posters that come out, you know, for for these different characters in Ahsoka. And um, they came out with one for Ezra. And they're sweet, by the way, obviously. They came out with one with for Anakin Skywalker with his Clone Wars armor. And it was just like, oh, that's... I need that one on my wall. That one's cool. Iman Asfandi in this Ezra Bridger poster has this... And you can kind of see it in this episode, too. He's got this chainmail armor beneath his jacket robe whatever and there's people speculating that this chainmail and it looks like it too is made up of dog tags and he's been stranded on this planet with thrawn for 10 years now what else could it be but night trooper store like dog tags right like if that's the case if it is dog tags i mean it 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 makes sense and it would fit in because like we also know that Ezra was a collector. Like, he was always collecting helmets. Mm, right, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, like, when have we known Stormtroopers to wear dog tags? Like, Yeah, it, yeah, you know? I know. It's it's kind of like a nitpicky thing, but I was just like, oh, that's really interesting. Especially with how 
um, like defensive he has seemed to have gotten over these 10 years. Like it, it doesn't seem like he's just going and slaughtering like troops of right. night troopers, you know, like that doesn't seem like the thing he'd be doing at this point, especially without a lightsaber, without a, a blaster, all that stuff. It just, it was interesting. I was like, okay, well, if that's the case, that's really interesting. And you're right though. He is a collector. So like if he, like the night troopers had raided their village or whatever, and he defeated them, he probably would have used every resource that he could to right. survive. So that totally makes sense. But it just is like, oh, okay. Here he is, this like peaceful, <laughs> like nomad guy, and he's got just chain right. mail <laughs> dog tags across his chest. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's a very interesting uh, dichotomy. Right. <laughs> but yeah, Eman Fondi, man, this guy is cracking jokes like he's straight out of the animated mm-hmm. series. One of my favorite moments from this whole episode is when they have them surrounded and Ezra is just like, wait, we can talk this out. <laughs> it's just like, that's so Ezra. That's <laughs> just hilarious. Like they've been fighting and then all of a sudden he's like, break, we're surrounded. No, we can, right, I, well, I we can, we can work this out. Hang on, hang on a second. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> oh, I was like, you know, there's been some people commenting that this is out of character and i was like who are you kidding did you guys even watch rebels this is so ezra right that's why i continue to say that this show is like if you had shown me the script even just like listening to it and i didn't see anything i could totally see this as an animated show oh yeah you know like the script the dialogue everything about it seems like an animated show it's just live action, and it's it's fantastic. I absolutely love it. But yeah, he was a great casting. There's there's nobody else that you could have seen as Ezra at this point. I mean, we've only had him for two episodes, but he's been perfect through two episodes. So he's even got the blue like contacts. Yeah, it's just and it's everything. perfect. Well done on the casting. Ahsoka comes in, swoops in, saves the day. Some great action. In that scene, I feel like that's something we have. I shouldn't say we're we're not missing it in this series. It is a definitely story heavy series, so we're not getting quite as much action as we're probably used to in Star Wars. But this was a great action scene. Good to see the combination of you know blasters, um, Ezra using the Force, Ahsoka with her lightsabers. Overall, really fun to see, and Shin. One of the coolest moments in this episode as well is Ezra stopping Shin's lightsaber with the force. Yep. That was really cool. She like just goes all out on him and he just like, boom. That was cool. Just stops her in her tracks. And you can even see like the force like warping the yep. lightsaber yep. a little that bit. That was a cool touch. Oh, so cool. Like they're doing a great job with the visuals in this. We mentioned a couple episodes ago about how Sabine maybe doesn't 100% match her animated counterpart. Has that perspective changed at all for you through the last three episodes or so? Do you feel like she is a spot-on representation of her Rebels counterpart? I don't know if I'd necessarily say spot-on, but I think it's definitely gotten better. Like, I think it just... I don't know if it just took a little bit more to get in the groove of that or 
in the beginning too it was really story heavy with a lot of stuff going on but i think it has grown on me more like i, I like i said i wouldn't say it, it's spot on but it's definitely closer to where i feel like it should be yeah but i mean it helps too now like having ezra back because like ezra is so spot on and then just the way ezra and sabine were together and i feel like that has really kind of helped encapsulate that more too as well like bring it along because it's just like a lot of how she was is how like in rebels was how those two interacted and i think that's kind of what i don't want to say like that's what kind of got it back in sync but like it just it has more of that Rebels feel. Like, this is more natural than when she was on her own. Yeah, I definitely feel like the more combat we see her in, the more she feels like her Rebels counterpart. I, I think, and this is a problem with a lot of animated people that we bring into live action. It's hard to match their energy because, like, live action it's hard to be that energetic all the time as animated characters are. So Sabine and even Ahsoka, really, it's kind of like you watch them and you're like, man, they're really a lot more reserved than they feel like in the animated series that they're in. But the more I see them in action, the more I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, that that totally makes sense. But as a live-action character, you're just not moving around and having a super you know, animated bubbly voice all the time. Like that's just not real life. I think you're right. The more I see her in it, the more she becomes like her animated version. So I think she's doing a good job though. I I like the actress that they picked for her Sabine. She's doing, she's doing a really good job. Really cool action scene that I feel like we've been, we've been waiting for in that scene for sure. So Shin runs off. And we finally get the Ahsoka-Ezra reunion. And Ahsoka laughs for maybe the first time that I've heard in this series. And it sounded like Rosario Dawson almost like broke character. And that's like her real laugh. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, that sounds like a real legitimate laugh. That does not sound like acting. That was kind of cool to see them actually reunited right there's like this deep connection between ahsoka and ezra because as far as we know the last time they saw each other was in the world between worlds right yeah ezra pulls ahsoka out of the moment where she's fighting vader and then they get separated and go back to their kind of respective portals when the emperor like flushes them out of the worlds between right, worlds right. with this crazy force <laughs> fire stuff <laughs> That's a wild episode. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really interesting that that might be the last time they saw each other. And here we are on this normal planet in a normal setting, <laughs> reunited, and they're not fighting anybody. Right, just so totally normal. Like, oh, okay. Good reunion. <laughs> Anyways, uh, through all this, too, we get Thrawn, um, who's up there kind of like he's playing the the strategy game which is is so thrawn of him that's exactly what we're 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 hoping for he kind of says a lot of strategic words all for it to end up being oh it was a distraction and then (laughs) he recalls his night troopers and then gets done loading cargo or they're not quite done yet i think by the end, end of the episode but they're they're getting there and this is another question i have they keep they're loading everything onto the chimera is, are they going to fuse the Chimera to the Eye of Scion somehow? 
Like, how's that going to work? I thought that was the whole reason why that Eye of Scion was like that, because... Was, like, a ring? Well, well, it's the ring, because, like, you remember, like, from Clone Wars, they have those jump rings for right. the fighters yeah, to jump exactly. into hyperspace. Uh-huh. Well, I think that's just... It's going to connect to the Chimera, and then the whole thing's going to jump back. Right, that- yeah. That's what I, like, kind of put together in my head. But at the same time, I was like... They're loading everything onto Chimera. Are they just going to load everything onto the Eye of Scion? But that, like, totally makes sense, especially with the the Jedi Starfighters and their jump rings, like you said. Yeah. That's going to be wild (laughs) to see the Chimera, just this gigantic Star Destroyer, get hooked up to this. And we've obviously seen the Eye of Scion quite a bit in this series, and that's gigantic as well especially when you get Hera and the X-Wings like coming out of hyperspace right next to the Eye of Scion it's so cool to see the just enormous scale of the Eye of Scion and Hera and the X-Wing fighters are like holy crap right I don't even like know if we can do anything against this thing (laughs) yeah it'll be really interesting to see how they how they handle that but uh, but anyways, uh, Thrawn, again, doing his strategy thing. Did you think uh, that was maybe me simplifying? But I was like, it's so funny that he had this like battlefield up. He was like plotting everything, sending the night troopers in at the very specific times. And then at the end, he was kind of like, well, that's that's what I planned. It's all a distraction. And it was like, oh, OK, well. <laughs> You probably didn't need to do all that strategy stuff It was if it was all just a distraction. Well, I don't think it was as much just purely a distraction, because, like, what he says is, even after the loss, he's like, well, these are acceptable. So, like, I think he was looking like it was still an acceptable outcome, because right. ultimately the ultimate goal was to buy the time. So it's just like, hmm. obviously, if they kill Ezra and kill, like, that also would have been a fine outcome. But, like, mm-hmm. and then that follows up his second line, he's talking about Ahsoka, like paraphrasing or whatever but he's how he's saying like their most precious resource they have is time and like they're running out of and it they're out of and it they're, yeah right and so Some like iconic thrawn lines there oh yeah, right he did lars mickelson <laughs> chef's kiss but at the same time it was still like that's a very thrawn thing of just like hey i preface that at the beginning of the episode when he's just like hey i'm gonna let them have the path before them let mm. ahsoka make her move yeah. And then I'm I think it's be a combination too of Thrawn mentioned basically in is probably episode six. Well, it was episode six because that's when he made his debut. That if Balin and Shin don't come back, that's fine. Like, and I I think they did that to make him known as the threat that he is. Like, they made him seem very threatening and scary in that moment when he right. said that. But also, they kind of clued us into that plan that, like, these guys are a distraction if we don't. And I think what was so cool in Rebels about Thrawn is that you had no idea what his plan was until he revealed it to you. Right. The plan is already complete. And then he tells you what happened and and he planned everything out. And in Rebels, you're just like, Right. Whoa, this guy. <laughs> this right. guy is awesome. And he still is awesome. It's still everything that is involved in Thrawn in live action here has been fantastic. But I think that would have made it more of a weighted, you know, moment or made it seem cooler if they had not kind of let us know that that was his plan in episode six. But at the same time, it was pretty cool when he was like, 
yeah, I don't really care if they come back or not. Right. So. Well, I think that was also part of it, because, like, I don't think you could have left that as a cliffhanger. Right. Or you couldn't have left that out in the open, because you needed that scene and everything to finish for what's set up of what we're getting in the finale. Because, like, you can't go back to that for the finale. Like, you know what I mean? Right. So it's just like, yeah. you gotta show, alright, that's fine, because, <laughs> you know, it's more than still showing that, alright, Thrawn's ultimate plan is getting off this world. Yeah. So, like, he doesn't, and again, it's same with Thrawn, like, if he's leaving people behind, doesn't matter. If he's leaving right. troopers behind, doesn't matter. Like, hey, when we are got this stuff loaded, we're leaving. The interesting part about Thrawn in this episode is that there's a variable that he did not foresee. And that was Balin not being a part of that final battle. And he right. seems very interested by this. Not so much that he's going to stop his plan and like try to figure out why. But at the same time, you can see him pondering it, like, twice. Where he's like, what the heck is Balin doing? Where's Balin? Yeah, where is Right, because he? he even, like, mentions that twice. Yeah. Like, where's Balin? Right. Like you said, he says these are acceptable losses considering Balin not being there. Right. Interesting. You wonder if Balin were there. I mean, he would probably expect, hopefully, Sabine or Ezra to be killed if Balin were a part of that fight. But he saw Ahsoka coming, but that's another variable that, you know, was in that fight. So who knows? It's very interesting that Thrawn doesn't see that coming. Kind of makes a, seems like he makes a mental note of it. And then he's like, all right, well, let's get going. (laughs) Right. Man, Balin just throwing off Thrawn too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think that kind of then even to like when they got there and then the night sisters were just like, Oh, Jedi. And then the first time Thrawn meets him, how mm-hmm. he has that conversation with Morgan Elsbeth of just like, again, paraphrase. Cause I don't remember the exact line, but he basically was like, how can you trust the, the Jedi? And she's like, Oh, well says her reason for trusting him. And he's just like, well, I mean, he turns back on a Jedi order. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he's already shown right. he's not trustworthy. Yeah. So I think there he, it was already th- some of those suspicions of like, all right, right. I gotta kind of yeah. be suspicious about this guy. Mm-hmm. And I think Thrawn is a guy who is suspicious of everybody. He's like that. He doesn't yeah. trust anybody. He he might show that he trusts you, but in his mind, he he's waiting to see what moves he's going to make. Right. And he, I don't think he fully, does he ever fully trust anybody? That's a, pretty interesting question because and i haven't read any of the thrawn books but like he plays his part in the empire very much to his liking right you know like he is not going to do anything that he does not want to do per se like it's gonna benefit him if he does it yeah i think i think he definitely just is that guy who he's just watching out for everybody and morgan elsbeth is at this point, just a pawn in this whole thing. Like she did the work to get the resources to him and she's going to be discarded, thrown off the second they get back to the main universe. I feel like (laughs) she's not going to be a main part of his whole scheme plan. (laughs) So no, we're gearing up for the finale. Got any predictions or actually before, before we get into finale talk here what did you rate this episode on the infinity bro scale like this was just a good fun episode like it didn't have like the epicness of the last two i I give it a solid yeah five five yeah 
I'm I'm the same. Five point yeah. five. Really good episode. Didn't have like the epic moments of the previous two episodes, but yeah, it's right. still solid and I feel like this is one of the best told stories that we've got in Star Wars live action, definitely in Disney Plus. Like I loved Obi Wan, but that story was a lot more choppy than Ahsoka has been, I feel like. Right. I mean, I absolutely adore Ewan McGregor, so I will give a six out of six to literally anything that he plays a part in <laughs> in Star Wars. So yeah, Obi-Wan is a six out of six for me, but there were a lot more things about that series that I had. Issues is even a strong word, like nitpicks about, right. you know. But this series has been just solid overall. Like, everything about this series has been solid. I'm expecting that to continue in episode 8, the finale. But yeah, 5.5 out of 6 for me as well. So, okay, finale. We're going to spend just a couple minutes talking about what we think is going to happen here. Shin, what do you think is going to happen with Shin? Is she going to reunite with Balin? Is she going to do her own thing? What's going to happen? I don't even know where to go with that. It's all going to depend on what Balin's mission is. Yeah. And what he's trying to accomplish. That is the part that I am the biggest mystery. Yeah. Because, like, I think... Because, obviously, you got the two paths on that. Obviously, you know, what everything with Thrawn, because Thrawn's trying to get back, that has huge implications for the Star Wars universe. But I also feel like everything that Balin's doing, like, this isn't just some small, like... I don't feel like this is being some setup of just, like, oh, Balin's just going to look for some old, ancient writing from a you know like i feel like he's doing this stuff because it has more weight Mm -hmm. because he you know the whole time he's talked about you know hey there's more to this than rescuing thrawn there's more stuff like it's a new beginning how he's you know talking to shin about that and you know he asked her like do you not feel the call like Mm -hmm. there's something that's calling him there so like i feel like there's so much more to that which i mean obviously i think thrawn and everything is what obviously the big like because everyone knows thrawn's you know the big this presence yeah and everything i think i don't want to say a, a full okie doke but i think what's going to end up kind of switching of whatever balin's looking for whatever balin's doing is going to have larger like recourse on everything that's happening yeah because i just feel like it, it's just kind of been one of those things that's strung along of like oh yeah balin has some other ulterior motive he has something else I feel like that's going to kind of be the twist in the finale of like whatever Balin's setting out to do is going to be huge. Right. Yeah, it's got to be because that's the only other like we have this path that this show has been on of Thrawn returning to the main universe. I mean, I feel like that's inevitable at this point. Like he's going to come back. But that's the other thread that nobody has been able to figure out. Like, what the heck is Balin up to? We just have no clue. And it's obviously important. They put a pretty significant emphasis on Balin's storyline. I'm right there with you. Okay, so what do you think Balin is up to? Like, what the heck is he chasing? A big theory that I've seen a lot online. That Now, granted, I don't have much weight of this because, like, it, this is EU stuff and, like, the extended everything. So, like, I don't know. But, like... The stuff I've read about it of these theories makes sense. So there's a lot of clamoring of people saying that perhaps what this call is that's calling to Balin from this other galaxy that brought him there in this whole new beginning is this person called Abeloth. Mm. I believe it's I'm saying it right. 
And Abeloth, we don't actually see her, but basically what she is is Abeloth is the mother of what we had in Clone Wars, you know, the son and the daughter of the light side of the force and then the father. She was the mother. But she, if I remember right, her story, like she was actually mortal, but then because of the power of the force and stuff, she became obsessed with immortality and basically she turned corrupted and evil and then they locked her inside of a planet. I, I, I think I'm kind of like scrunching all yeah, that right. way down, but that was that was kind of the what I got from it. And so some people are saying that like she hasn't existed anywhere except the EU, but like we already know they're bringing stuff in from that, like they're bringing front, like mm. like why not? Right, you know. I don't think Filoni's one that's completely against doing that. No, I don't think so at all. I think I think he's got a very broad view of uh, Star Wars and that like anything can be a part of you know this universe if we bring it into it. So I, I'm yeah I think I think you're onto something. But anyways, continue, sir. Yeah, it's just kind of this whole, and that's the whole like sense of like, oh, this could be a beginning because like. She's the one that, like, that's where it goes beyond Jedi and Sith. And, like, I, so I've been doing some, like, light reading on, like, what her character is. And, like, and there's a lot of stuff that, like, I could see, like, the people that are saying these rumors. I'm like, I can see it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of stuff that would line up right and it still would fit. So, like, if you want homework just go read up on abeloth a little yeah. bit but <laughs> yeah you heard it here first on the infinity bros podcast uh zane thinks it's abeloth so if that happens next episode we can there say we, we told you so <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but yeah i think the thing is it's just as good of a theory as anybody else has because we have zero inkling we got nothing we got right. absolutely nothing as to what this thing could be that is calling Balin. Uh, so, sure. Yeah. Why not? Sounds like a good why theory not? to me. <laughs> but yeah, I do not? I do want to point out, too, that episode 179 of the, the Infinity Bros podcast, you had a great theory that Darth Maul, or Maul, I guess he would be after he meets Balin, if he were to, could have been Balin's master, I guess, post-Clone Wars. After he offers that kind of position to Ahsoka in the last season of Clone Wars, I love that theory, and I want that to be true. I don't really care to see like Darth Maul in live action again, but just to have the knowledge that that's where Balin came from would be right. epic. And that's what I again too like. That's still that possibility of like everything that Balin's saying. Like that was all the same stuff Maul was saying at the end yeah, too. Right. So that's why it kind of had that realization of that last episode. I was just like, this is all the same stuff Maul was saying. So it's just like, mm-hmm. did he get it from Maul? Or maybe like Maul was also hearing, you know, I, I that's why I'm still just like, right. there could very easily be a tie into Maul here. Because it's just like, we're getting tie-ins to everything mm-hmm. else. Yeah. And, but yeah, it'd be fun it would be to fun. tie and Maul like, back Like you're this. saying, so Maul... You especially watch those last like three episodes of the Clone Wars season seven, and he kind of has this vision of like, yeah, there's this cycle of like the Empire rises, or you know, empires, I should say, rise, they fall, um, a new one takes its place, it falls, like it's just a cycle. And Balin specifically mentions that in, I believe it's episode 
six when they're standing on the maybe maybe it's five i don't remember when they're standing on the like tall building or whatever in peridia maybe uh but anyways like he's like yeah i'm gonna break the cycle which is basically the same vibes you got from maul i mean i don't think maul spelled that out specifically but maul knew kind of the scope of everything that was happening he didn't know exactly how everything was going to go down but he's like i gotta break this cycle this right this whatever's gonna happen i gotta break it the same vibes we're getting from balan so i i think you're onto something and i feel like this is it's got to be something big because like how do you break the rise and fall of empires you can't do it by yourself or with a small group of leaders or rebellion blah 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 it's got to be something like major and cosmic right right so i feel like abeloth is a perfectly valid theory as to like what the heck balin is after because it's got to be something huge in the scope of the star wars universe again we have zero clue as to what that could be could be anything could be literally could be anything. anything so hey there we go abeloth episode eight we're calling it now <laughs> yep there we go. Um, anything else you want to mention? What do you think is going to happen next week? I, I already have mentioned on previous episodes and this episode. I think it's going to end. This, this finale is going to end with Thrawn returning to the main Star Wars universe. Um, and that's going to just be the threat of Thrawn looming. You know, the return of Thrawn. That's what we've been talking about basically this whole this whole season. And what Ahsoka's kind of been trying to prevent happening. But... I think that would be an epic way to end the season, lead into either Ahsoka Season 2 or any other projects that Filoni is working on. Any other predictions or anything beyond that? No, I just, I I think that sets up the most likely, probably like the safest bet, Mm -hmm. but it's just like, it literally could go anywhere. What are we going to get introduced in this finale? It's all on this episode. What are we going to get, you know? Yeah. Who knows? Still a lot of unknowns for the season finale. I hope it's a long one. I hope we get like an hour at least. That would be nice, but we'll see what happens. I wonder if it's actually... Let me look that up quick on IMDb, see if it's already on there. Good episode, though, Zane. Thanks for joining me. It's been a blast, dude. Absolutely. It's always a, always a fun time. If Talk you are curious to hear our previous episodes, we've been talking about Ahsoka reviewing every single episode through the last three episodes of the infinity bros podcast so make sure you uh, go back and check those out no there is no time currently on imdb of how long this episode is so so we will find out perfect yeah thank you listeners wherever you're listening however you're listening thank you so much for making us a part of your podcasting experience if you want to check out the infinity bros make sure you follow us on Social media on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, threads. <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> other stuff. And you can check us out at theinfinitybros.com. Email us at infinitybrospodcast at gmail.com. Zane, it's been a blast. Always a fun time. Hopefully you and all of our listeners will be joining us for the finale episode of Ahsoka next Tuesday and a review following that on the Infinity Bros podcast. We love you 3000. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Infinity Bros podcast. You can find the Infinity Bros on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Twitch, and YouTube at the Infinity Bros. Hey, 
You can also check out our website at theinfinitybros.com for links, reviews, and that sweet merch. Feel free to send listener feedback via social media or email us at infinitybrospodcast at gmail.com.